I'd say the biggest question of the offseason for the Sacramento Kings is what to do with free agent Harrison Barnes. Do you bring him back? Do you let him walk? Whatever decision the Sacramento Kings make, they have to be sure that it helps them bridge the gap between good and great next season. On today's Locked on Kings podcast, we're going to look at the different alternative options the Sacramento Kings have to improving their starting lineup and moving away from Harrison Barnes, plus some conversation about DeMontis Sabonis, all right here on Locked on Kings. You are Locked on Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time, time for another episode of Locked on Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked on Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer for ABC 10 News. And this off-season, there are going to be a bunch of things that the Sacramento Kings can do, some things that they will do. It could be great. It could be bad. We're going to analyze everything that the Kings do this offseason. I know every single offseason, if you've listened to Locked on Kings over the last six years, every single offseason, you'll hear me say something like, this is the biggest offseason for the Sacramento Kings. You'll hear that stuff being exaggerated. And I'm not going to do that necessarily because every offseason is big for its own reason. But what's really big about this offseason for the Sacramento Kings is how every single move now has expectation placed upon it. Whereas last offseason and past offseasons have been, okay, let's just try and improve this team and put together something that we think can be successful. We know the Sacramento Kings have something here that has been successful. They've broken the playoff drought. They finally made it to the postseason. They know they have stars. They know they have a core to build around. Now, how do you improve upon what you just did? That's what this offseason is all about. So every decision that Monty McNair and his front office staff have to make this offseason and, and do make this offseason will be analyzed through the lens of does it make this Kings team better? And if you listen to the uh, Locked on Kings exit interview podcasts uh, that I did, especially the one where you heard both Mike Brown and Monty McNair's exit interviews or exit press conferences at the end of the season, both of them touch on how difficult it is to bridge the gap between good and and great, Mike Brown has said multiple times this season, to get from where the Kings were at the start of the season, in the cellar of the league, longest playoff drought, to making the playoffs and establishing themselves as a good team, which they did this year, absolutely. That gap is not that hard, he says. It's been hard for the Sacramento Kings, of course, over the last 16, 17 years, so maybe you slightly disagree with Mike Brown's perspective there. But he says, compared to that small gap between being a good team that makes the playoffs and a great team who makes deep playoff runs, makes it to the conference finals, makes it to the NBA finals, and actually wins the NBA finals, that gap might be smaller, but it's way more difficult. And I understand his point. So I'm not saying that the Sacramento Kings, the difference between the Kings winning a championship is going to be what is done this offseason. Because another thing Monty McNair said in his uh, exit press conference was that he expects a lot of the improvement of the Sacramento Kings team to come specifically from the core guys that are already here and their improvement. De'Aaron Fox, uh, Keegan Murray, DeMontis Sabonis, Malik Monk, Kevin Herter, that group of guys, Davion Mitchell. Like those six guys, 
I imagine are all going to be back next season. The expectation is that they're back. Of course, everybody and anybody can be traded and moved if Monty thinks it's the right move to be made. So we'll have to wait and see with that. But the belief as of, as of now is that those six will be back. And those six are expected to get better and build upon what the Sacramento Kings did and what they did as individuals last season. So that doesn't mean that Monty McNair has to go out and make a massive splash this offseason. Could he? Absolutely. Would it be awesome? Yes. But here in Sacramento, we don't expect that. And if we do, it's in the trade market. And typically, the Kings make their big trades around the trade deadline, uh, or at least they have recently with like the DeMontis Sabonis Tyrese Halliburton trade, right? Free agency, not necessarily a big deal for the Sacramento Kings. It hasn't been. Sacramento's never really been a free agency destination, even when they were as good as they were in the uh, late 90s and early 2000s. Maybe that's changing a little bit or has changed with how good the Sacramento Kings were, with how fun they were, with Mike Brown and his reputation, with De'Aaron Fox and, and his reputation. Maybe it's changing for the better. I can certainly hope so. But all expectations that we have for this offseason have to be based off the fact that the Kings typically aren't a free agency destination. And while they could look to add a significant uh, player or two in this upcoming draft, it's a lot more difficult to do that in the early 20s where the Sacramento Kings are going to be compared to the lottery where we're used to them being, where they had the fourth overall pick last year and they added a player to the caliber of Keegan Murray, right? The biggest change or improvement that the Sacramento Kings can make to their starting lineup is with Harrison Barnes or with Harrison Barnes' spot. If you're adding to your starting lineup, something has to go. Harrison Barnes is the only free agent out of that starting five. Now, I'm not saying he's the only one in that starting five that is replaceable because you can make arguments for maybe you could find someone to replace Kevin Herter as your starting two. Maybe you could move Demonta Sabonis to the four and, and get a starting five. Like, there are other routes, and, and Monty McNair has built himself a versatile roster. We're going to talk about this a lot today. He's built a versatile enough roster to where he doesn't just have to go out and find someone at Harrison Barnes's position who does specifically what Harrison Barnes does, and that's it. Because if that were the case, then the Kings would just re-sign Harrison Barnes, which they might do. And that would not be a bad option. Look, here's what Harrison Barnes gives you that you can, you can count on. Professionalism, which, yes, that is a big deal. Reliability and availability. He played every single game in every playoff game for the Sacramento Kings this season. That's a big deal. Staying healthy is a massive deal. And he's already familiar with the team and what the Sacramento Kings are doing. You don't need to teach Harrison Barnes anything. He doesn't need to come in and incorporate himself into this culture and incorporate himself into this team. He knows how this team works. So those are the obvious pros of keeping Harrison Barnes. Now the cons are that Harrison can be inconsistent. He's coming off of a overall poor playoff series where he didn't make as much of an impact as the Sacramento Kings needed him to. Now, remember, we're looking at the Kings improving and bridging the gap between good and great. I'm not saying that Harrison Barnes is not good. He's been good enough to get the Kings to this good uh, status now. Do I think he could help the Kings get to great? Absolutely. He's not a bad player by any means, and he's not, I don't think he's falling off. Like, he still has a lot more uh, of his uh, NBA career to give, in my opinion. But are there other options other than Harrison that make you better, make you more great, get you closer to great? Really, what I think the Sacramento Kings are looking for is another guy who can just get his own shot, who can create for himself. The Kings have one guy that can do that. 
That's Harris, or that's De'Aaron Fox. Maybe two guys in DeMontis Sabonis if he decides to put the ball on the floor and go to work uh, in, in the low post or the high post, which he tried to do at times against the Golden State Warriors. And for the most part, it actually didn't really work out for him. To the credit of the Warriors, they forced him kind of into those situations. The reality is, and, and I could also make an argument a little bit for Malik Monk. Like Malik can kind of create and go get his own shot, but he does that off of the bench. I don't think it's absurd to think about the Kings potentially moving Malik Monk into the starting lineup, but like I've shared for you all regular season long, and I'm going to stick by it, I think Malik Monk is in the perfect role for this team. I think him coming off the bench and providing that energy off the bench, even if he plays a lot of time with the Aaron or with Sabonis or with the starters, how he incorporates himself off of the Kings bench, leading that second unit, the energy that he provides, I think is perfect for him. So I'm proceeding under the belief that the Kings want to find a replacement in the starting lineup that isn't already on their roster if they're going to let Harrison Barnes walk. Now, it's extremely difficult to replace Harrison Barnes because wing scorers who can create for themselves, those are not easy to find. Three and D wings who don't necessarily create for themselves but can space the floor, punish you on the perimeter offensively, and then lock down a, 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 a defend, or a, the opposing team's wing on the defensive end of the floor. Those are hot commodities that every single team wants. So if you let Harrison Barnes go, you have to replace him with someone minimum as good and reliable as he is. But more likely, you have to get an improvement on him that's ideally younger than him that fits the timeline of this core that is not going to break your bank. Like These are things that, again, wishful thinking says, yeah, go do it. This is NBA 2K. Grab, give me that player. Give me Jimmy Butler. Let's put it in the trade machine and figure out how to make it work. Or, and I know Jimmy Butler is not younger than Harrison Barnes, but you get my point. Like Those stars more than likely are not walking through that door. Now, there are alternative options, like I was talking about. Monty has built himself a flexible roster. So, if the Kings let Harrison Barnes walk, they could, in theory, move Keegan Murray to the three instead of have him at the four and go out and get a four. The difference between the three and the four spot is not that massive. So, most wings can play both positions pretty comfortably. Defensively is where it matters a little bit more than offensively. Can Keegan Murray play the three? Absolutely. I haven't seen Keegan Murray do it that much. I don't actually recall really him doing it ever. I could be wrong. There could be spot minutes here or there during the season where he played a little bit of the five. For the most part, Keegan Murray played the four. And he was out there with another wing next to him. And he was out there with a big man or at the very least like a Trey Lyles who can be classified as like a four-five hybrid uh, who was out there with Keegan at times. Like, that's what I know Keegan can do. Now, I also think there is a chance that Keegan Murray can develop into that guy. And the Kings look at Keegan Murray as a star. So the Kings think that Keegan Murray potentially could develop into that guy that can become that second score, create his own shot type player. Most of his baskets were on the catch and shoot, but he showed an ability to put the ball on the floor a little bit more. You heard Fran McCaffrey, his head coach at Iowa, talk about how good he is in the post. And the Kings really didn't go to that at any point. Uh, during this season. I have no idea if Mike Brown would change that or not. The Kings don't necessarily need to add more offense, right? We already know this offense was tremendous, and that's with Harrison Barnes being in the starting lineup offensively, at best the fourth, most of the times the fifth option for the Sacramento Kings offensively. But the question is, can the Sacramento Kings find someone who helps them maintain that offense who gets them someone other than De'Aaron Fox who can create and go and get his own bucket when he needs to, whether Fox is on the floor and has two defenders on him or 
Fox is getting a breather on the bench. Can the Kings find a guy that can create his own shot who also helps this team improve defensively? Again, these are hot commodity guys in the league. Every team wants a guy like that. So it's not going to be easy for the Sacramento Kings simply to find that, which is why the safer play is going to be bringing Harrison Barnes back. But is safe the right route to take when you're trying to get from good to great? That's, these are the questions that Monty McNair has to ask himself. This is what Monty has to figure out. Truth be told, when it comes to Harrison, I'm not worried about his price. Like, I'm not worried about what the Kings are going to pay Harrison. Could be a little bit more than his value for the Sacramento tax. He could take less money to stay here in Sacramento. I don't know what Harrison's motivations are. Is he looking for a final big payday? Is he looking to win? Is he looking to be a starter in a prime? Like, I think the best situation for Harrison Barnes is here in Sacramento. He knows what he is here. He's a starter here. He's well-liked here. He's ingrained in the community. He's a leader here. And he's going to get decent money. But maybe another team will overpay for him. I have no idea. I don't know what his motivations are. I'm not worried about Harrison Barnes' price tag. I'm worried about how much of an impact truly Harrison Barnes can be on turning the Sacramento Kings team into a perennial title contender. Not necessarily, the Kings don't have to be a championship contender next year. That would be phenomenal. Going from the third seed, from, from no playoffs, to third seed first round exit, to title contender. Talk about skipping rungs up the ladder. That would be great. But they don't necessarily have to do it in a year. But you're not signing Harrison Barnes for a year. You're signing him to three or four years. Over those three or four years, can Harrison Barnes help this team become a title contender? Again, those are the questions that Monty McNair has to ask. So, in addition to those that alternative that I posed of you could go and get a four and have Keegan Murray play the three, you could also go small and in theory go out and get a two or like a two-three hybrid you can keep Key, uh, Kevin Herter at the starting two or move Kevin Herter over the starting three and have that guy who you brought in play the two. The Kings don't have to just, if they're replacing Harrison Barnes, they don't have to just get a starting wing. They don't, they're not just limited to that. They have options. I'm going to go through here a list of free agents that, in theory, could be replacements as starters for Harrison Barnes that the Sacramento Kings could be keeping an eye, at, a, a eye out for. Now, what's encouraging, again, I know Sacramento's not a free agency destination, but what's encouraging is that there are a lot of names here that, in theory, could help the Sacramento Kings accomplish this goal. I have no idea if any of them would be interested in coming to Sacramento, and I'm going to do a much deeper dive into these names, probably fewer, when we get closer to free agency actually beginning. This is just a general look based off of where we're at right now. And I went through a list of upcoming free agents said, he fits the bill. He fits the bill. He could work. He could work. That's what this list is. Chris Middleton, for example. I know he's been on the decline. Chris Middleton in so many ways is exactly what the Sacramento Kings need is kind of that complimentary scoring wing who can not be a liability on the defensive end of the floor. is actually pretty solid on the defensive end. He's not the same player that he was a couple of years ago, has been dealing with injury. Also, Chris Middleton has a $35.5 million player option. If I'm Chris Middleton, I'm staying in Milwaukee and I'm taking that money. So he might not even be on the table, but that's an example. Kristaps Porzingis. I put a question mark next to this. This is a little bit different. Kristaps Porzingis, could he be a five or a four? Could he start next to DeMontis Sabonis? Now, Kristaps Porzingis offensively, in theory, could space the floor. Defensively, could protect the rim. 
The ball's still going to run through DeMontis Sabonis, not Kristaps. So I don't know if that would work, but also kind of similar situation. Kristaps Porzingis has a $31.6 million player option with Washington. I think he's taking that money and he's staying in Washington. I have no idea, but that's just my opinion. Here's a name that's a little controversial. Draymond Green. I know. I know. It would be very awkward if Draymond Green were to become a Sacramento King based off of his treatment of Kings fans, how Kings fans treated him, how I've talked about him on this Locked on Kings podcast. But in theory, Draymond Green does a lot of things that the Sacramento Kings absolutely could use, and he's a reliable starting kind of three, four. He's mainly a four. That could help this Sacramento Kings team. He could. Not saying it's a good fit. Not saying that I would do it. Draymond Green also has a player option for $24.9 million. Nobody knows what he's going to do because he thinks that he's probably worth more money and is, has interest in testing free agency. He might be going to L.A. to play with LeBron. I have no idea what's in Draymond Green's head. He has connections with Mike Brown, so maybe there could be something there. But Draymond Green, if I'm going through the list and saying this guy could do what the Sacramento Kings are looking for, Draymond Green is on that list. Jeremy Grant. This is a name we've talked a lot about and you've heard a lot about probably if you follow the Sacramento Kings over the last couple of years. Jeremy Grant provides a lot of offense for the Kings. A lot of offense. Would be definitely an offensive boost. Could play the, probably the four or the three, but probably the four and maybe you move Keegan to the three. In this scenario, he's averaged 20 and a half points, four rebounds, two assists, shot 47% from the field, 40% from three-point range, 81% from the foul line for the, uh, the Portland Trailblazers this year. That's an option. A little more offensive heavy, but that's certainly an option. Here's a couple guard options. Karis LeVert and Gary Trent Jr. Karis LeVert averaged 12 points, four rebounds, four assists on 43% shooting from the field, 39% from three-point range. He's six foot six, so he could play the three. And then Gary Trent Jr. He does have a $17.2 million player option. I don't think that's... I think he could get close to that, if not more on the open market. I don't really know. I don't know the market values, but I don't think... Like 17 point... Uh, what was it? $17.2 million is not such an absurd amount of money where I go, oh yeah, he's absolutely opting in. Now he might just want to stay in Toronto. And if so, he'll opt in. But if he wants to test the open market, I think he could get that $17 million. I have no idea if the Kings would give him that, but Gary Trent Jr. could theoretically come in, play the two. You move uh, Kevin Herter to the three. Again, you're going small. There's concerns with that, of course, but it, in theory, could work. Here's another big, Christian Wood. I put a big question mark next to this because Christian Wood would likely play the four. DeMontis Simone is playing the five. Chris, Christian Wood could space the floor. I don't think this would work. Like, I, I just don't think it's, I don't think it's the right move. Again, in theory, it could. I just don't think this would work. I wouldn't necessarily do this. He is an unrestricted free agent, averaged 16 points, seven rebounds, two assists, shot 51% from the field, 37% from three-point range uh, for the Dallas Mavericks this season. Here's a name that I know a lot of Kings fans like. Here's another big man. Brooke Lopez, a true five. Brooke Lopez comes in. You move DeMontis Sabonis to the four. You still run everything through DeMontis Sabonis offensively. You put Brooke Lopez in the corner or on the wing where he can knock down shots defensively. Brooke Lopez was one of the best shot blockers in the league. He protects the rim. He's a decent rebounder. If you want to go bigger, Brooke Lopez absolutely could work. I know he's on the older side. Sign him for two, three years. Does he help the Kings bridge that gap? Well, he's sure as hell done a great job with the championship caliber uh, um, Milwaukee Bucks over the last handful of seasons. Brooke Lopez is an unrestricted free agent, averaged 15.9 points, six rebounds, two and a half blocks, shot 53% from the field, 37% from three-point range. Three more quick names I'll throw at you. Kyle Kuzma. I feel like he's been trying to be a king or the Kings have been somewhat 
sneaky connected to him uh, for a while. Kyle Kuzma has a $13 million player option. I think he could get $13 million in a lot of different places, so I don't think he's necessarily going to take that. Josh Hart, who's been killing it with the New York Knicks, uh, he makes a lot of sense for the Sacramento Kings. Could play the two or the three. Probably would play the three here in Sacramento. Uh, two Or $12.6 million player option. If he wants to return to New York, I could see that. I also could see him getting more than, than $12 million on the open market. Uh, Rui Hachimura has been killing it with the Los Angeles Lakers since he was traded there. However, Rui Hachimura is a restricted free agent. The Lakers did not trade for Rui Hachimura to watch him ball out in the playoffs to let him go. So uh, unless the Kings massively, or I wouldn't say massively, unless the Kings significantly overpay for Rui Hachimura to take him off of the Lakers' hands to where the Lakers just say, nope, we can't do it. I don't think Rui Hachimura is happening. But based off of the position that he plays and how he's played for the Lakers, in theory, he could be an upgrade for the Kings in the starting lineup. I'll add one more, too, because I've seen this name floated around. Nas Reed. Nas Reed is more like of a rotational starter, if that makes sense. Like, he's, he's a role player, a role-playing starter, which is fine. Kevon Looney's a role-playing starter uh, with, the, uh, with the Golden State Warriors. So, Nas Reed. Is Nas Reed that big of an upgrade over Harrison Barnes? I don't think so. So, uh, I, I'm not too thrilled about it, but I understand the argument for him. Those are just some names that are free agents this year that the Sacramento Kings could potentially go out and target that could they could bring in to replace Harrison Barnes and try to bridge that gap between good and great. The point of me pointing that out, and again, we'll go into more of a deeper dive on some of these names, the names that I really like, maybe you really like, the Kings are interested in when free agency gets closer. But the point is, with all these names, with the versatility of some of the players that are on the Kings roster, the Kings have options if they want to move on from Harrison Barnes. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay Guaranteed Fit. You can be sure your parts or the parts that you need fit right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check mark to know that that part will fit or you get your money back because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on eBay motors.com let's ride ebay guaranteed fit only available to u.s customers eligible items only exclusions apply i'm recording this podcast during the first quarter of lakers warriors game three in la so some of this might be a little bit dated but i wanted to pose the question to you and i've been thinking about this a little bit the way that the golden state warriors have handled ad and the way that Kavon Looney has continued to rebound against AD and the Lakers in the second round so far. Does that at all make you feel better about how DeMontis Sabonis played, how he struggled in the opening round against the, the Golden State Warriors? I was pretty tough on Domas. Like some people were, were a little more understanding, I guess, of Domas' struggles than I was. And maybe I was overvaluing Domas or, or not appreciating what the Golden State Warriors did enough, certainly going into the series. But I didn't think DeMontis Sabonis should have been outplayed nearly as bad as he was by Kevon Looney, by the Golden State Warriors, period. The reality is if DeMontis Sabonis is going to be the Robin to Fox's Batman, the second best player, 1B to Fox's 1A, whatever you want to say for a team that's contending for championships, DeMontis Sabonis, regardless of who he's taking on, has to be better than what he was. 
he cannot be taken out of taken out of his rhythm so easily. Now, the Golden State Warriors were torched by Anthony Davis in game one. Anthony Davis scored 30 points and grabbed 23 rebounds. So immediately you see the starting big on the Los Angeles Lakers. I know it's Anthony Davis. He's, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. He, he balled out and, and embarrassed the Lakers in that way. However, I'm sorry, embarrassed the Warriors. However, the Warriors did still get a 10.23 rebound performance out of Kevon Looney. So sure, Anthony Davis balled out, dropped 30 points, grabbed 23 rebounds. Kevon Looney was still very impactful on the glass for the Warriors. Then there's game two, where AD was a completely different person. The Warriors did a much better job. They did a great job adjusting AD, uh, taking him out of the paint a little bit. Anthony Davis had just 11 points and only seven rebounds. Kevon Looney was playing through an illness, did not start, played just 12 minutes and grabbed eight rebounds. In 12 minutes, Kevon Looney had more rebounds than every single member of the Los Angeles Lakers. So, we're seeing Kevon Looney continue to dominate rebounding-wise uh, uh, against the Los Angeles Lakers. We're seeing the Warriors affecting Anthony Davis going from a phenomenal Game 1 to a terrible Game 2. Again, who knows how he's going to perform in Game 3. It's actively happening right now. Does that make you feel better or not? I think it makes me feel a little bit better. Like, the Golden State Warriors have done a really good job. And even going back to last season, like how they handled Nikola Jokic and, and the, the Denver Nuggets. Like, the Warriors seem to know how to handle really good bigs. So, had it been a different matchup, had the Kings defeated the Warriors and moved on to play the Los Angeles Lakers, I think DeMontis Sabonis would have been much better. But does that make you feel better or not? It might not. It might not, because you might have the expectations of, no, Domas needs to be great against everybody. And he simply was not good enough. DeMontis Sabonis was outplayed almost every single game of that seven-game series. I hear you. A lot of it's matchup-based. To me, the easiest fix for DeMontis Sabonis is the first thing that he pointed out in his exit interview of what he's going to work on. Hit that mid-range jumper. Space the floor. If they are going to, they, meaning the Golden State Warriors or any team, because teams are watching how the Golden State Warriors defended DeMontis Sabonis, we're going to see a lot of teams try and do to Domas what the Warriors did to Domas next season. They might not have the personnel to do it, but they're going to try. So we're going to see starting centers, or centers period, Domas defenders, giving him all the room on the planet so that he can take that mid-range jumper and they're going to wait for him in the paint. He's got to start knocking down that mid-range jumper. If he does, they can't do that to him anymore. Or you're just giving him six to eight free points every single game from that spot. So Domas has to get comfortable with that mid-range jumper because he's capable of knocking down that shot. If he can knock that, down, uh, that shot down at above a 50% clip, solves that problem for him. I still think, oh, actually, I don't think, I know the Kings still look at Domas as that second guy. They still, like, no matter what happened in that opening series, even if Domas was disappointing, the Kings are not switching up their belief that Domas can be part of a championship core here in Sacramento next to De'Aaron Fox. He had a phenomenal regular season. One series doesn't erase that. But, of course, he, like the Sacramento Kings, need to improve. Another question about this offseason is Domantas Sabonis becomes eligible for an extension. Now, just so you know, Sabonis is making $19.4 million this upcoming season. He made a, a little over $18 million this season. For who Sabonis is, how good he is, the accolades that he's had, especially this year, Demonis Sabonis is underpaid. I'm very confident that the Kings and Sabonis are not going to get a deal done this summer. The reason why is because if Sabonis tests free agency, by my understanding, 
If Sabonis goes into next offseason as a free agent, doesn't mean he's leaving Sacramento. It means he's eligible to get more money than he could get in an extension with the Kings. Now, we would all love for the Kings just to extend him, figure it out, work it out, and answer all those questions. Because, of course, with the Tyrese Halliburton trade, if you traded Tyrese Halliburton for essentially two and a half years of DeMontis Sabonis, even if those two and a half years are great and you make the playoffs and whatever, if Sabonis walks, that sucks. So the Kings have to figure that out. But if the Kings don't resign DeMontis Sabonis this summer, it's not any reason to panic. It's not any reason to be overly concerned. I still believe Domas views this as his long-term NBA home. If the Kings have another solid season next season, that only reaffirms that, in my opinion. So if I'm a betting man, I'd say the Kings and Domas don't get a deal done this summer, and that's perfectly fine. All right, before we wrap up, last offseason, we had a number of questions for the Sacramento Kings, and I wanted to revisit some of those questions that we now have answers to, as well as pose some new questions this offseason that we'll look at a year from now and hopefully have positive answers for. But here are like five questions that I came up with, whether I went back and listened to some old podcasts and just thought of uh, some in my head. The number one question that we had last offseason was about De'Aaron Fox. And could De'Aaron Fox be the star of a good playoff team? The answer is absolutely. Now the question has kind of shifted a tiny bit. Can De'Aaron Fox be the star and number one guy on a championship team? That answer still is not, or is to be determined, but I feel pretty confident in, at at the very least, there's a good argument. Like, based off of how well he played uh, in the playoffs before he hurt his finger, and even after he hurt his finger, being the clutch player of the year, how good he was, the great moments, the big shots that he had over the course of this season, like De'Aaron Fox showed that he can absolutely be the guy on that stage. Now, we've talked already about what he has to do specifically as a scorer to get to that next step, to get to that undeniable all-star Western Conference guard status. That's what's next for De'Aaron. And I I think he can get there. But has De'Aaron proven that he can be the star on a good team, a playoff team? Absolutely he has. And that's great to be able to say that. Another question we had is, is Monty McNair a good general manager? Yes. He hired Mike Brown, gold star. He drafted Keegan Murray, gold star. The DeMontis Sabonis trade, solid. And on top of that, he just received a, a finally, it took him a while, but he received a contract extension in the middle of the season. So we know he's going to be around a long time. The Kings have a good general manager and a good front office here in Sacramento. We don't have to worry about that. Was the Halliburton trade a mistake? Part of this is still to be determined, but the answer right now is absolutely not. It was a great trade for both teams, apparently, but it was a great trade for the Sacramento Kings. Now, like we just talked about, if the Kings somehow lose DeMontis Sabonis to free agency, don't bring him back, and they traded away Halliburton for two and a half years of Sabonis, then maybe we're feeling a little bit different about this trade at this point in time, or that point in time. But as of now, yes, the trade was a good trade. The Kings did not make a mistake. Was Mike Brown a good hire? Gee, that's an easy question to say. Yeah, a great hire. First unanimous coach of the year. Don't need to spend more time on that. And then were the playoffs a realistic expectation? Yes, Absolutely. Now, we all thought the likely route was play-in. I said the best-case scenario for the Sacramento Kings was a sixth seed. They went and won the third seed. So, yeah, they smashed those uh, those expectations. So, questions for this offseason. I came up with four of them. I want you to share some of your questions that you have for this offseason uh, and going into next season that we'll be able to answer hopefully next year. One, will the Kings improve on this season? Major question. And improving could be 
going from a 48 win to a 50 plus win team, going from a three seed to a top two seed. My big thing is winning a playoff series. Doesn't matter if you have home court advantage or not. You win the opening round, move on to the next round. That's improvement. So that's one question. Another question is, how much better will the Kings core get? It's not just De'Aaron Fox and DeMontis Sabonis, everybody. How much better will this Kings core get? And if Monty McNair adds minor adjustments, maybe brings back Harrison Barnes, and he's got some roster spots to fill. So he goes out and gets some, some free agency, maybe, maybe brings back Trey Lyles, drafts another rookie, and those pieces help this core, but ultimately this core has to improve. How much better can they get? How much better do they get? How much better do they look now that they've had more time together? Question number three, how do the Kings avoid getting figured out? And what I mean by that is the Golden State Warriors kind of figured out how to at least take the Sacramento Kings out of their element a little bit, how to frustrate them. The Kings really struggled offensively when they made they established themselves as a really, really, really good offensive team. That was their identity during the regular season. Now, the Kings still gave the Warriors everything that they could handle. So it's not like the Warriors figured out the Kings so much that they have to change what they're doing. But will other teams figure out, now that the Kings aren't catching anybody by surprise anymore, will those teams figure out how to limit the Sacramento Kings, handle the Sacramento Kings, or can the Kings continue to be one step ahead of their competition? That's question three. And the final question is, can the offense stay the same, be one of the best offenses in NBA history, score, score a boatload of points, can go off for 130 any night? Can that offense stay the same while the defense improves? Because while the defense was way better in the playoffs, a lot of that has to do with playoff officiating and allowed physicality. The Kings defense during the regular season, not good. If the Kings want to continue to improve, especially in the Western Conference, with the, which the, with the amount of teams in the West that we expect to improve or still be in that mix. If the Kings want to get to over 50 wins, which Monty McNair said in his press conference that teams that typically are in that championship contender range, perennial playoff team range, are winning 50 games a year or more. A lot of that improvement is going to be on the back of their, of their defense. So can the defense improve while the offense is still really, really good? Or do you have to sacrifice one for the other? That'll be another question. So those are four questions that I came up with. If you have any other questions you want to add, any comments on DeMontis Sabonis or how you're feeling about Sabonis now that you're watching the context of the Warriors-Lakers series with how AD is playing, your thoughts on keeping Harrison Barnes versus replacing Harrison Barnes, any of those names uh, in the free agency list that you like or any names that you want to add to that list, please let me know. You can reach me on Twitter at MattGeorgeSack. You can email me MattGeorgeSports at gmail.com or leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. The offseason rolls on, as does the Locked on Kings podcast. I hope you will join me for no sh more shows next week. I'll have some great guests coming for you. Really excited about that. Appreciate your support, as always. Can't wait to have you join me on the next episode. Until then, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked on Kings, part of the Locked on Podcast Network.